I'm Dr. Phil Carruthers, and this is All the Phils, where I share with you my personal life experiences, including some professional ones. If you're looking for encouragement, hope, and some fun stories, you come to the right place. On today's episode, I talk about stress, what it does to the body, to the mind, and how to manage it when it occurs. Let's get to it. Welcome back. Episode six. I'm glad that you're joining us today. If this is your first time listening to all the fills, I welcome you to the show. Exciting for you to be listening to us for the first time. Uh, we have some great stories. We're going to have a good time. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I appreciate the support. Uh, I definitely get the feedback uh, whenever you listen to an episode. And I really do appreciate that feedback, the encouragement. And I'm happy that the show is doing exactly what it should be doing. It's providing encouragement, providing some education along the way. And, and it's just, it's a great experience. Um, you know, I've enjoyed doing this. I really have. I was nervous at first. Episode one, you could probably tell. I was, I was pretty nervous. Um, maybe I was hiding it very well. I don't know. But uh, it's been really fun uh, doing this, and we're, we're going to keep this thing going. Um, we've had, again, great feedback. Let's keep it going. All right, so... This week, I wanted to talk about a topic that all of us face potentially on a daily, weekly, some of us hourly basis, and I'm talking about stress, okay? We're talking about stress, okay? Stress is one of those things that it is a, a, a something that can make you just suffer and suffer and suffer long periods of time if it is not managed. Okay, it can. It's just one of those things where it may not, you know, harm you immediately, but over the long run, it can have those deleterious effects, right? It can really affect you. Okay. So stress, uh, what is that? It's just it's a state of worry, right? Or mental tension. I love that phrase. Mental tension. That's caused by a difficult situation. A situation that you perceive as difficult, right? To some other people, this situation, that's nothing. Eh, nothing, not a big deal to me. But to others, this is a difficult situation that is life or death, right? We perceive that as this is a life or death situation, whereas other people's other people may see it as, oh, this is this is nothing to me, right? Stress, right? We all handle it uh, in different ways, right? We have a natural human response right to a challenging situation right how are we going to how are we going to handle this you know someone uh, let's say you're walking down the street and someone comes up to you and for no reason for no reason at all they just start cussing you out i am talking they are throwing f bombs left and right they are talking about your mama they are doing all these things. They're, they're saying all these things to you and, and out of the blue, right? There's nothing that prompted it. They just randomly start doing that to you. I would react differently than you would react, right? Because we're different. We're all different people. We may react in a similar fashion, but we react uh, in different ways, right? Some of us may just right, ignore. <laughs> you don't exist. You're not in front of me right now. And others, they may retaliate. They may yell back. Or others, you know, they may cry, right? It just depends on the situation. It depends on the, the person. It may be the same situation, same scenario, but our response may be very different, right? Um, now, the way we respond to that stress, right, 
that is what's going to make a big difference in our overall well-being as humans, okay? It's how we respond to that stress, okay? A lot of things stress us out. Uh, I think probably some of the bigger uh, stresses, um, I mean, just off the top of my head, uh, relationships, uh, money, uh, work. There you go. (laughs) Relationships, money, and work. I think those are the big three. I'm sure we could add a whole heck of a lot more to that list. Uh, But relationships, money, and uh, work are are definitely those. Now, all stress is not bad stress. I want to emphasize that. All stress is not bad stress. Right, we just uh, we we just hear about it so much because too much stress can be a bad thing, right? So the the good stress I'm talking about, yes, good stress, uh, it, it helps us to perform our daily activities. It kind of helps us to uh, stay engaged in perhaps you know uh, completing daily tasks, you know, making sure that we meet a deadline at work, uh, we turn in an assignment on time, right? Uh, we want to make sure we meet those deadlines, we complete those tasks within the appropriate amount of time so we have that stress in that sense to, uh, you know, kind of motivate us to get to that point of, you know, completing a task, finishing it, knowing that we did it well, and there you go. Uh, another quote-unquote good stress will occur later on, right? And and it's not just stressing with, you know, work you know, or school, I'm talking about even you can have good stress in relationships. And what I mean by that is, you know, let's say, um, you know, with your, your BFFs, right? You want to make sure that you spend enough quality time uh, with your friends. And so you try to move things around in your schedule so that you can have adequate time with your friend. You can go get some Starbucks, you know, at least once a week for like an hour, talk about your day. But there's a little bit of stress that's involved because you have to move things around in your schedule, right? And you have to make sure that both of your uh, schedules, you know, work out together. So in that sense, that kind of stress is okay because you're trying to accomplish a task. And that task is maintaining that friendship, maintaining that relationship. You know, if you're in a dating relationship, you want to make sure that you, you know, have date night each night, you know, whatever it may be. So that kind of stress is okay, right? Now, obviously, we don't hear about good stress a lot. We really don't. We hear about the negative parts of it, and that's because stress—it's—it's like that—it's like that snowball, right? I mean, it goes downhill pretty quickly, and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and before you know it, you cannot stop that thing, right? Stress is like that, right? When when you have a tiny little you know snowball rolling down, like the size of a baseball or maybe even a kickball, you can stop it, right? You can control it. But the bad stress that I'm talking about is that overwhelming stress where it's about the size of a station wagon. It's the size of a monster truck. You cannot stop it. It just keeps going and going. It feels like it's overwhelming you. It is suffocating you. And now you're in a position of feeling overwhelmed. And now it's going to start affecting your mental health. It's going to start affecting your well-being. So how do we know that we're at that point of, you know, stress? Like what are those signs, right? Well, a big one, we, we just cannot relax, all right? and you hear it in your voice. I know with me, whenever I'm stressed, um, my voice will sometimes shake, <laughs> almost kind of like, a, you know that feeling of like when, when you're on the verge of tears, you're not crying yet, right? But if you just start talking, let's say that in the morning you had some kind of argument with a significant other, or you know, growing up, you know, maybe you got yelled at and you have to go to school. Uh, in the morning, you know, you go to school and the first person that talks to you, they expect an answer or something out of you. And if you say one word, 
you were going to cry. <laughs> like I had so many of those moments growing up. It was rough. Um, you know, I would, I remember busting out crying, uh, one time, I think it was in like fourth grade. I got in trouble for doing something at home. And then I went to school that morning and I just started, I just started crying as soon as I think it was during roll call in homeroom. And everybody was like, why is he crying? What's going on? I mean, they have no clue where I just came from. They have no clue what art, you know, uh, you know, about me getting in trouble was at home, right? We have no clue where each one of us have been, uh, you know, in this life or in the day, you know, you ne- we never know. So um, there's so many emotions that, that happen when uh, stress occurs, right? You have that anxiety, you have that irritability. I mean, like irritability, right? It's just, you know, you have one life to live. I don't want to live it anxious filled. I don't want it to live in irritability, right? I really don't. Uh, we want to live it peacefully. We want to live it happily, right? Um, so, you know, when we're stressed, it's not just the inability to relax. You know, you have these emotions you're about, you know, um, now, now when I say that (laughs) crying is not a bad thing, I will tell you this. Okay. Crying is not a bad thing. Crying can be therapeutic. I'm a big believer in that. Yes. I am, I'm fine with saying that. You should be fine with saying that. Um, I think we've just grown up in a generation where, you know, you know, real men don't cry. You know, real men don't have emotions. Now nah, we're going to break that now. We're going to break that thought process. We're going to break that thinking right now, okay? Uh, men cry, okay? If you don't cry, you're lying to yourself, all right? Sometimes I'll have these moments where I just need to, you know, let it out, have like a moment where I just need like 10 minutes to just cry, okay? Yes, I'm being vulnerable right now. I'm, I'm being honest about it, but we need to be honest about our mental health. We need to be honest about how we feel, right? I mean, I know I just got done doing a difficult episode, last episode talking about, you know, my divorce and everything. Uh, you better believe I cried, right? Because I took that as a sign of, you know, I wasn't successful in saving my marriage. I wasn't able to um, you know, I wasn't able to succeed. And so I had these emotions built up and I didn't want to trap them in. And so crying it out helped me to, you know, get past those emotions. It helped me to not just get past it, but to expose myself to it and to realize, Hey, I have these emotions, but you know, I also need to realize that it's more than just crying. It's more than emotions. It's also about loving yourself, uh, you know, respecting yourself, giving yourself self-worth, knowing your worth, right? So I know I'm kind of going everywhere. That's what we do here on all the bills. But, um, you know, cry it out. You know, that's, that's part of it. Crying is good. Okay. Um, it can be therapeutic. So we're back on stress, right? Uh, we have some physical symptoms that may happen, you know, headaches, body pains. And when I say body pains, uh, it may feel like, uh, you know, when you have the flu and you have that whole body uh, pain feeling, uh, that that can happen, right? It just depends on the situation, whether it's maybe a teacher that, um, you know, <laughs> so, all right, well, I'm getting a random story flashback. So I was in sixth grade and uh, I was going to Harvest Elementary School in good old Harvest, Alabama. And I remember, uh, yeah, it was sixth grade and it was math class. I, I do remember that it was math class. And I got called up to the chalkboard as before the expo marker uh, age. So still chalk got called up to the chalkboard and there was a problem up on the board and the teacher, she wasn't up there. She was in the back of the class. So there was like 
her in the back and then kids, you know, in the, in the rows and then me up there by, by myself. And there was a, there was a problem and I was supposed to solve for X, right? It's algebra. I had no clue how to work this thing. I, I just didn't. I, I mean, my chest was hurting so bad. Like it wasn't, it, it started out as a pressure, you know, kind of like someone's just sitting on your chest. Then it starts hurting. Like that's how much stress um, I was experiencing at that time. I started breathing a little bit heavy. Yes, I have asthma, but um, you know, I wasn't wheezing at that point. Um, side note, stress can exacerbate your asthma. It can make it worse. You can't, it can induce an asthma attack. So uh, fair warning, it can do that. Um, but yeah, I was starting to breathe a little bit heavier and deeper. I was starting to sweat a little bit. And I almost felt like this panic, this, this doom feeling. And I was a, I mean, I'm a 12 year old kid and I, this is a math problem, but I didn't treat it as just a simple math problem that I didn't know. I treated it as I'm in front of everybody. I don't know what I'm doing and I'm terrified to death. And I, and I just, I I didn't turn back to the teacher and say, I don't know how to do this. I just kind of stood there and her reaction was to, uh, (laughs) It wasn't an encourage me. It was to yell at me to do the problem, to, to do it. What are you waiting for? And you know, that, that kind of, you know, that kind of yelling, you know, that, that, that forceful, that, you know, administrative (laughs) boss kind of voice. That's more not, it's not talking with you. It's yelling at you. And I was getting yelled at, and I can even hear some of the kids laughing. And I think at that point when I heard some kids laughing, um, yeah, I started crying <laughs> right there in front of everybody. Half the class felt bad for me. Half the class, they were laughing, you know, and, and that's the worst thing, man. When, when, when someone's just laughing at you while you're in a state of distress and emotional turmoil, um, that's the worst feeling. And I remember I left the classroom. I just, I dropped the chalk on the ground. I didn't even, I didn't make a single mark on the chalkboard. And I just, I ran out of the classroom and of course, teachers yelling at me to come back. I don't want to come back to that. And I just needed a few minutes. I needed a few minutes to myself. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I hated math after that. And uh, funny thing is, I mean, when you're doing your pre-med, uh, you know, prerequisites for med school, you got to take a lot of math. So, oh, great, more <laughs> exposure to math. But this time when I was uh, taking these math courses, I had nicer teachers, nicer professors, and I actually ended up working for um, Mathnasium. Yeah, I actually got to teach other kids uh, math and, uh, you know, tutor them, and it was really fun. I got to work in the uh, public school system. I worked for Madison City and Madison County schools. Uh, I was an in-class math tutor, so I got to, you know, tutor kids, and I just, I remember that traumatic experience. I remember I never want a kid to feel like they're so dumb or they're stupid. I, and I hate using those two words. I hate using dumb. I hate using stupid. It's awful. It's an awful word, uh, words. And, and I, I don't want anybody to feel that, but I felt that I was under so much stress and I wanted to provide an environment to where no other kid will ever feel that ever again. Like I felt that. Right. Um, you know, so, you know, we, we talk about you know, what stress does to us, you know, the headaches, the body pains, the, for me personally, the, you know, the chest pain and pressure, and this can actually lead to new addictions, right? To alcohol, cocaine, marijuana, methamphetamines, you know, we have to cope with the stress and we seek out that comfort in those substances, right? You know, um, 
It could even lead to like chronic eating, like chronic stress could be like stress eating, right? We hear, we hear about that. We either stress eating or we're not eating at all, right? Whenever I stress, uh, I don't eat. I will not eat. If I'm in a stressful situation, uh, there's been days I'll go like two days without eating. And it's not because I'm trying not to eat. It's because stress has overtaken me. It has, it has taken my focus away from taking care of myself. Right? That's what stress does. It robs you of your ability to take care of yourself when it gets to that point. Like I said, there is good stress, but I'm talking about the toxic stress. We're going to call it toxic stress, not bad stress. I don't think that's good enough. Toxic stress. Okay. So I know personally for me, you know, I grew up with a lot of stress. I talked about, you know, those childhood stories about, you know, being in that math class or, you know, maybe getting yelled at in the morning because I didn't do something or, you know, got yelled at and I showed up to school, you know, crying, uh, you know, just in that early morning. And the thing is, I did not learn growing up how to deal with my stress. And, and, and really the first step of that is actually talking it out, actually talking about how you feel, talking about the fact that you are stressed. Um, I didn't, I didn't learn how to talk about it. I didn't learn how to cope with it. And yeah, this followed me into adulthood. It really did. So those same, uh, stressors, you know, just like in adulthood, um, they followed me. They followed me from childhood. And I had to learn how to really finally uh, expose myself to stress. I had to expose myself to the fact that there is ongoing stress in my life right now. I need to admit to it. I can't be afraid of it anymore. I think a lot of us are scared of our stress, right? It's like a monster that can never be beaten, right? Stress uh, can sometimes feel like, like a like an ongoing panic attack that will never stop. Like if you're stressing so badly about something, all rationale just seems to run away. Right. And all of a sudden you have this sense, uh, this feeling of, you know what, this is it. This is the end of my life. Um, and, and when I say that, I'm not saying like in, in a suicidal ideation kind of way, you feel like that there's just no hope. There is no, uh, coming back from this, you know, whatever situation it, it may be, it may be learning a new task at work right? Sometimes if, if you're trying to learn something and you can't figure it out immediately, if you stress so much about it, you start to tell yourself all these things. Like you, you start thinking of like this mental escape plan, like, okay, well I can quit this job because I, clearly I can't learn this task. So I'm just going to quit my job. I can maybe think about a new career. I can maybe move here and there. And like our minds, they really go down those avenues. They really do. I mean, when, if stress gets that bad, if it gets to that point of of no return, like you feel like you are fighting for your life, when, when in reality, you just have a task that you can't really figure out at work or there's a problem that you can't really do at that present moment, and we find a way to exponentially increase the uh, destruction <laughs> that not completing that task or whatever it may be, um, it, it, we just find a way to let it devour us. Like, literally devour us, destroy any future hope that we may have, right? That's what stress does. And I speak on this, like, so eloquently, I guess not so eloquently, because I, I'm telling you what, I, so I do have a medical degree, I do have two master's degrees, but I'm pretty sure I have a PhD in stress, okay? Like, I know stress, and it knows me. Um, I've, I've seen what stress does. To people, but I know what stress does to me. I know what stress, uh, 
robs you of. It robs you of joy. It robs you of your ability to be rational. And I know I mentioned earlier, um, you know, about how it could, you know, stress can lead to this sense of panic, right? I will gladly share with you um, my panic attack. I've I've had I've had two of them, but I, I've in my life I've had two. My most my last my most recent one was um, it was in twenty twenty. Uh, what was it? It was yeah, it was twenty twenty two. And, um, you know, I was, I was in my pediatrics residency and I, again, I, I, a little disclaimer, I don't want people, if you are interested in doing pediatrics, all my medical students that are listening to this, Hey, go for peds. All right. Peds is a great field. If you want to be a pediatrician. Okay. It is so good. It's, we need pediatricians. We need more of them. Please go follow your dream, follow your heart. Uh, for me in this particular station, uh, or particular situation, pediatrics was not my end game for me. Okay. Just, I knew it wasn't. Um, I actually had a desire for pathology, but at the time I was still in a pediatrics residency. I was kind of in limbo, you know, I was trying to debate, um, you know, what are the pros and cons of staying in pediatrics, uh, leaving pediatrics. And, um, I, at this point, I think it was, it was around April, 2022, and around this point, I had already talked to my program director at the time two months earlier, and I had let her know, hey, uh, I want to pursue pathology. Pediatrics is not for me long term. I just need to let you know. And so I tried to, you know, finish out the year, at least to the to the best of my ability, um, you know, go to my shifts, um, try to, you know, um, just just, you know, finish it out, finish it, finish out at least that year. Um, I did have reasons for why I ended up resigning a little bit earlier um, to go for pathology. I mean, I needed to take my step three licensure exam, and I also needed to, you know, do an internship in pathology because, you know, that's that's if you're trying to pursue pathology uh, for residency, you know, there's really not a whole lot of experience. You know, uh, many schools, uh, whether they be U.S. based or um, IMG based, you know, international medical graduate students, you know, we're not really exposed to pathology rotations in medical school. So uh, for me, I, I knew there would be a great opportunity at the hospital I was at to do a little internship for a couple of months, have that to talk about for future, you know, pathology residency interviews. Anyway, so, um, you know, like I said, it was about April, I needed to go till the end of June. But, uh, you know, I was not able to get to that point. I remember I had finished, um, let me see, it was, uh, yeah, I had just finished a night shift. I, I was doing nights uh, for the pediatric wards, and I, you know, I went home. Um, I had been stressed about being in pediatrics for a long time. It's not to say the program is bad, it's just it was not, pediatrics in general was not for me, and I knew that. Um and, you know, I tried to, you know, again, I tried to do my best, go to my shifts, do the job, do the work, never had any write-ups, you know, everything was great at all, as far as performance goes, but um, how I was feeling was not great. And I remember I was sleeping and I think it was around, let me see, uh, it was like early, early morning. I had gotten woken up by my lack of ability to breathe. Like I could not breathe it felt like this invisible ghost or something was choking me and there was a sense of panic the sense of doom 
and I could feel my heart racing. I could, I, I, it brought me back to that feeling when I was in front of the chalkboard. It was just this overwhelming fear of I'm trapped, I'm trapped, get me out, save me, save me, you know, followed by, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, because um, this did happen, you know, in front of my former spouse, and I'm sure I was, <laughs> I was scaring her to death, and she didn't know what was going on, but, um, you know, I, that was my thing, I was, I was, I was both scared, and I was both apologetic, uh, because I felt embarrassed, but my fear encompassed my embarrassment like I couldn't I wouldn't even I wasn't even able to think straight and I like I said I I was just breathing really heavily quickly fast um I was grabbing you know the bed sheets I was I was trying to almost fight for breath I was trying to fight for my ability to breathe and I couldn't and this lasted um so I I I had to ask my former spouse I was like you know how long did this last because I didn't know I lost all sense of time I had no clue and it lasted just for like you know maybe under five minutes but it felt like an eternity for me it felt like it went on for so long and I, I knew at that point that I needed to I knew what it was it, it was the fact that I dreaded going to work the next day I knew it and and uh, I had talked with a friend and they said, you know, um, you know, what, what do you think, what, if you could take away one thing right now that will, you know, make you so happy or it will make, it will prevent you from potentially having another panic attack. Cause they said, that's probably what you had. And I mean, we, we study panic attacks, you know, for our medical licensure exams. Like we do, that's actually on the, on the, on the test. Um, but I've never experienced a true panic attack, Re- like really a true panic attack. I've had bouts of panic and fear and anxiety, but I've never actually had an attack. These panic attacks, they come out of nowhere, okay? They come out of nowhere. You cannot plan a panic attack in your schedule. Everybody knows I try to plan everything to the hour as best as possible because that causes me way less stress, right? So if there's things that are out of my control, that's what increases my stress. But panic attacks, you cannot, you can't plan for those. Obviously, nobody wants to plan for those. They just happen. And for me, I knew why it came about. I knew why it did. And so uh, it was just the fact that I dreaded going into work. I didn't want to go. I just, I couldn't go. It's not like, oh, I'm lazy. I just don't want to. I had this fear that the world was going to end if I go to work and it was just that mindset, right? It was that mindset that it was very rational, right? But I knew that I was in a situation that I needed to change. I needed to change my situation because now it's more than just trying to, you know, go to your job, get a paycheck, pay the light bill, pay all the other bills that you have to pay because you're a good adult. Um, now it's, I have to save my own life. When it gets to needing to save your own life, needing to worry about your mental health, you got to do something about it. You have to. And so the next day, I called up my program director. She was amazing. Um, I I didn't bullcrap her at all. I, I literally sat down with her. We met in person. And I told her that, you know, I'm, I'm very sure that I had a panic attack. I'm very sure of it. And she was so understanding about it. She knew that I had, you know, a couple of months earlier, told her I was going to, you know, eventually resigned from the pediatrics program 
at the end of the year. I wasn't going to do the full because it's three years. It's a three-year program. Majority of um, uh, residencies are three years, depending on what they are. Uh, some, like mine, which is pathology, it's four years because you're covering, you're covering anatomic pathology and uh, clinical pathology. So it's four years. Anyway, um, so I told her, and she was very understanding. She knew. She knew I needed to do what was best for me. And it was... Um, it was embarrassing for me because again, like I grew up not talking about my, not talking about when I'm stressed, not talking about my anxiety outwardly to people. I kept it all to myself. And so, um, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that appreciation I had, um, for her, for doing that for me. I, she even wrote me a letter of recommendation for my now, uh, you know, pathology program. She knew that I wasn't happy and that I would be way happier in pathology. Um, obviously, there are other things outside of my job that were causing me a lot of stress, but that was a huge one. That was, oh, that was huge. And as soon as I took care of that, I voiced that it was causing me so much strife and stress. Um, I took care of it. Um, I resigned early and I focused on me. I focused on my own mental health, my physical health. I started, um, you know, reaching out and talking to someone. Uh, I, you know, uh, started going to the gym. Now the gym is good. Okay. Uh, I know I mentioned in the last episode that, you know, going to the gym is not going to fix everything. It's not going to fix everything, but it's a start. Okay. So like whenever I'm feeling stressed, um, I go to the gym, um, because again, I want that I want to get all that tension that I'm feeling in my middle chest. I kind of distribute it to, in other ways. So when we go to the gym, when we lift, uh, when you know, lift heavy weights, light weights. When we go running, you know, we go on that elliptical. We go on that treadmill. Uh, our body is able to secrete these hormones called endorphins, right? We hear that word all the time, endorphins, right? So they're secreted from the brain, and they have so many physiologic functions. They really do, all right? they actually activate the body's opiate receptors, right? Now, when you hear opiates, you think like heroin, morphine, right? Uh, fentanyl, right? Those are opiates, right? Um, you know, and, and we actually have these receptors in our body, right? And they call, cause what's called an analgesic effect, okay? It's, it's a, so it, it, it causes pain relief, right? Relief from that pain. And, you know, every time I start to get stressed, I feel like I'm about to get stressed. I had a loaded day at work, or maybe I'm having a disagreement with a close friend or something. And in I, it's almost like a spider sense. I feel it. I know that stress is building. I remember how I talked about that analogy? It's at a baseball right now. Now it's getting to a kickball. When it gets to a baseball kickball status, I go to the gym. I know I have to go to the gym so that I can, you know, think more, you know, clearly, right? So that I can really assess the situation. I can think more rationally about the situation and not let this panic, this fear get to me. When it gets to the size of a station wagon, a monster truck, like I mentioned earlier, um, that's when it gets to a, my stress level gets to a point of I'm going, I'm going to die. This is the end of the world. We're at that panic mode, right? So I try to stop it as early as I can. Um, you know, and with stress, you know, you want to be able to, you know, talk it out. You need to, you know, verbally talk it out. Uh, don't let it build up in you. And that's what I do, you know, a lot of times. Um, and sadly, uh, I, I was reading this um, story. It's it's actually quite sad. Um, recently, a lawsuit had been filed um, 
in a uh, wrongful death um, you know, lawsuit against a school, a school district. There was a, uh, she was 12. She was so young. Uh, she died by suicide uh, by her own hand. And it was just due to, uh, she had these large bouts of stress. You know, she would talk to her parents about it. She got bullied a lot. All right, bullying, it's still a thing. Uh, you know, I came from the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s. Bullying is still a thing. If anything, it's gotten, I mean, it's more recognized, you know, that it is a thing, but it is still happening, right? Um, and it's sad because, I mean, 12, right? Age 12. I mean, uh, it, it the, the fact that you feel like that there is no hope and that you have no ability to be able to share about what's going on in your life. I mean, truly, um, you know, share what's going on. That's heartbreaking. It really is. It's heartbreaking. And for this, you know, it, it reminded me of when I was 12. I was stressing so bad when I was 12. And um, it, it never got to the point of wanting to harm myself, but I wanted to just close myself off to the world. Did some of that transpire into my adult life where I just wanted to close myself off and just just disappear? Absolutely. It, it does at times. It does. And I know that that's not the healthy way for me. That is not the healthy choice. Um, ask any of my close friends if I, you know, they say do not, you know, hold it to yourself because I, I know myself. I know Phil. And if I hold something back, I will harm myself way more because it, it may start out rational and then it kind of fades to irrational thinking and I know myself. Um, sure, I have 17 years of college experience. I have a couple of degrees, but I'm smart enough to know I cannot do this on my own. I cannot just keep it to myself. I can't. So um, have those close, you know, that close circle, that social circle that you have that you trust your friends with. Do not throw all your personal stuff at everyone. Okay. Have your close little small circle. And when I say circle, I mean like maybe the size of a Cheerio, right? That that kind of circle. Okay, so small, um, but those people know who you are. They are looking out for your best interest. They're not just trying to gather dirt on you so they can share it with the world. They actually care about you. And I'm thankful for the friends that are in my life that do that for me. They have saved my life in more ways than I can think. So, you know, thank you for that. I really do. Um you know, for me personally, it's never gotten to a point to where I just, I want to end it all. I want to, you know, it, thankfully it's never gotten to that point. Um, but, you know, if it has gotten to that point for you, uh, just like it did for that, you know, little 12 year old girl, that's awful. I hate that. Um, again, there is help out there. Uh, the National Suicide Hotline uh, number, you know, 988. It's, it's an easy number. I'm just going to promote that number because it's the easiest one to know. Um, again, if you need to talk to somebody and 988 is not it, call 911. Okay. Um, again, when I was a crisis counselor, I dealt with stressful people all the time. They were calling, they started out stressful, stressed, and then they would talk it out and, you know, they would eventually deescalate, you know, they would calm down a little bit and realize that this is not the end of the world. This is just a situation that has a resolution to, you know, what's going on with their current situation, maybe a disagreement or something. Um, now, if they were like in a, a situation like a domestic violence situation, okay, well, that's different. You know, let's, let's get you out of that situation. Let's get you somewhere safe. Um, but if it's just, you know, someone who may be overthinking everything and they just feel overwhelmed, they would call us, you know. Not everybody who called our hotline was suicidal. 
uh, they were just super stressed. And, you know, if you ever feel like that, please give them a call, right? It, it happens because sometimes feeling that overbearing stress can lead to that panic, which can lead to potentially suicidal ideation. You just want to end it all. So um, I encourage you, please talk to somebody about it. I really do. I encourage you for that. So uh, finally, I just want to talk about, you know, what are what are some ways that we can deal with stress? Um, you know, uh, keeping a daily routine. I think that's a big thing, you know, having a schedule. I have my little iCalendar app and I literally have uh, tasks and goals that I need to complete for the day. Um, I, I may have like a time set on my calendar, um, you know, whatever it be, me you know, like for the gym, going to work. Um, even though, you know, obviously you go to work, you know, the days that you go to work, it's still a task. And when you complete that task, there's just like a sense of, you know, uh, reward. You know, you're rewarded for going to work good job. You know, like you're going to school, you go to class, good job. You know, you have that assignment you have to do, you finish it. Good job. You know, so that iCalendar, I have all that, my bills, like if there's a bill due, it is in my iCalendar. I know when it is due. And whenever I pay that bill, I put in, you know, bill due paid, you know, like I'm able to keep up with that because money stresses me out. (laughs) Bills stress me out, but we got to pay bills, right? That's just part of it. Um, so yeah, keep that daily routine, you know, make sure that you're taking a shower. Oh my goodness. Uh, when I get super stressed, you know, I mean, I take my shower standing up, but sometimes you got to sit down, okay, in the shower and just let the water hit you and just kind of take 10 minutes to engage in that, you know, that, that therapy session where you're just literally letting the hot water kind of overcome you and just breathe, take slow breaths in and out and just, I mean, 10 minutes can save your life. It really can just to help you reorganize your thoughts, calm your emotions. So I highly recommend it. Um, get plenty of sleep. Oh my goodness. Uh, you know, you have to get that sleep. You need to, uh, it's important because it's, it's good for your mind. It's good for your body. It repairs and relaxes and rejuvenates your body and it helps reverse those effects of stress. Right. Um, I make sure that I try to get at least eight hours. Okay. Even as a physician, okay. At least eight hours. Um, You have to find ways. You have to budget your time properly to where you are taking care of yourself, right? If you're not taking care of yourself, it's going to get too overwhelming and you're not going to be able to complete the tasks that you need to complete. You got to get sleep, okay? You have to. Good sleep hygiene, all right? Be consistent. You know, um, I put my phone, you know, I plug it in. I have my timer and I actually put it on the other end of the bed, uh, so that I, I force myself to have to roll over, like I have like a queen size bed, so it's like all the way over there on the other side. So I have to reach over and pick it up kind of thing. Um, you know, and, uh, <laughs> I'm very notorious. A lot of my friends know I fall asleep to how I met your mother on my laptop. Like I'll play an episode, kind of let it on the whisper volume level, you know, and that actually calms me down because a lot of times my mind will be racing. I don't want to promote, uh, sleeping with, um, you know, uh, electronics on cause that, that is not good sleep hygiene for me specifically. I just do it because it kind of helps wind me down for bed. I'll play like half an episode of our main mother and then I'll turn it off. I, I shut it off. So please, uh, know that, um, you know, get some good exercise. Um, you know, for me, I work out right after work. I don't, I go from the hospital to the gym. I don't go home and then the gym because let's be real. We're just going to sit on the couch, you know, uh, when we're home, we are home, right? I'm at my house. I am enjoying the fact that I'm, you know, I've, I've completed work and, um, 
yeah, I'm going to start not wanting to work out. And for me, working out is a stress reliever. You know, people ask me, why do you go to the gym? Are you trying to, you know, what are your goals? Everybody has different gym goals. For me, um, it's to decrease my ongoing stress. It's to, you know, be healthy. And I go more for strength training, not like bulking up. I just, I just don't do that. Uh, but those are my goals, right? But the big one, stress relief. Uh, that's, that's mainly why I do it. Um, you know, connect with others, right? Um, be in constant contact. Uh, you know, I talk with my producer at least, you know, once, twice a week. If there's anything ever bothering me, it doesn't matter what time, I know I can reach out to him and vice versa. You know, have that close circle, right? Have your cheerio, have your, have your cheerio circle of friends, right? Um, they will save your life. They will help you to think more clearly. They'll be the rationality in your life that you need in your irrational storm. All right. They will be that rationality for you. Um, and, 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 and one big thing too, uh, I, I know the world health organization. Sometimes I, I see like there are ways on how to deal with stress. They say limit time following the news. And you know, a lot of times the news can stress people out. It really can. I've actually heard this from other colleagues. Uh, sometimes you just need to step away a little bit, you know, from the news. Um, you know, yeah, there's some good stories on there here and there, but there's also bad news. You know, there's, uh, more shootings, there's more um, turmoil, there's, you know, and sometimes that can be overwhelming. Um, you know, we, we need to know what we can handle mentally and emotionally. So if that means turning off the news, if that overwhelms you hearing all that, then okay. Um, you know, so there, there's so many different things that we can do to decrease our stress. I, I hope those things kind of help. That's like just the start of it. I, I know at least for me. Um and, you know, if you do feel stressed, <laughs> do some fun things that you're not used to doing, right, uh, on a daily basis. You know, sometimes I'll go to a park. I play some disc golf. Ugh, very relaxing. I love disc golf. I don't know if there's any disc golf lovers out there. I love it. Walking out in the park, just hearing nature, just being away from everyone and everything. Um, you know, go play with a friend, too, you know. And a lot of times you don't even have to talk about what's going on in your stressful life. Sometimes... Just having someone there in existence with you and just, you know, hanging out. That can be that can be life saving. Um, you know, I love Taco Bell. <laughs> Sometimes I'll just go to Taco Bell to make me feel better. And it feels good, right? Because it's that stress that isn't overwhelming me. It's just, yeah, you know, sometimes uh I like to stay away from my healthy eating. Uh, uh for a lot of you that know me. I eat a lot of cauliflower rice. I don't eat breads. I don't eat um, rice, you know, all the starches and all that because it'll make me lethargic. It'll make me tired. And when I'm super tired, I get super stressed and I start to panic, right? That's just part of it. So that's to, that's just stuff for me. That's stuff that I work on on a daily basis. So whatever you need to do, um, you know, whether it be going to the gym, having better sleep hygiene, better diet, appetite, talking it out. Um, you need to voice when you're stressed, voice it, voice it, voice it, talk about it. Um, so yeah, uh, here's to hoping for less stressful days. Take one day at a time. Uh, you know, my very first episode, how do you eat an elephant, right? It seems overwhelming. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Okay. That's it for this week. 
Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe and check out the All the Fills podcast on Instagram. And I want to thank my producer and marketing director, Kayla McLean, for his hard work and diligence. And if you enjoy the show, please leave a like and review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Remember to give yourself some grace and remember to join me next week as we get into the feels in All the Fills. So long.